Welcome everyone to today's devotion. We are in Mark chapter 1, the Gospel of Mark, second book of the Bible, the shortest of the four Gospels. I wanted to pause and think that where we've been, when we started these devotions, the goal was for them to temporarily get us through the crisis. Uh, I, I remember when all this stuff started, everything started shutting down. We were all under the illusion that within uh, probably, probably about a month, um, this, this would all be, be over with. And that, of course, has not been the case. Obviously, we're, we're still dealing with it. The uh, vaccine rollouts, we're in the process of that, but even that's going to take some time. Um, so here we are. So the, the reading that we've been following uh, was something we published in January last year at the church to be a daily reading through the New Testament. And we have followed that uh, where we were in March. So we are starting the year uh, where we started last year. So our goal is to get through the New Testament, which means we got to get through Mark, we got to get all the way through Acts, and then the first part of Hebrews. And we would have looked at every chapter of the New Testament. Uh, after that, um, I don't know. We'll see where we are and what, what we need, need to do. But let's start the fourth and final gospel uh, that we need to look at. And this is Mark. Uh, it is an excellent place to start reading to, to explore the uh, story of Jesus. My favorite is John, but Mark is briefer. His narratives are briefer. Uh, about 90 to 95% of Mark is found in Matthew. Uh, so, so it is, uh, for, for many scholars, Mark is the first of the four Gospels written. So it's influential in how, they shape, how he shaped those Gospels. Um, but the story is fast-paced um, and, and really wants us to see a Christ as a suffering servant, particularly in, 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 in the end. So let's begin here with, with um, an interesting beginning. All four Gospels have their own unique beginning. Matthew's is a genealogy. Luke's is uh, an explanation behind uh, the process of writing. John takes us back to creation. Uh, Mark begins with a heading, uh, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. In fact, you, you could say that we should read it like a heading, beginning the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Uh, and this is the story that follows. Mark just, in, 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 in typical Markan fashion of brevity, he lays out for us what we are about to read. Remember, the gospels are not biographies. Uh, biographies usually begin with uh, the birth and childhood and, and teenage years and young adult and, and all that sort of stuff. The gospels are going to show us Christ as Redeemer. And so they're going to emphasize his ministry more than his uh, upbringing. And Mark essentially skips over uh, Jesus as a young boy and a teenager and young man and begins right away with the ministry of John the Baptist uh, bleeding into the ministry of Jesus. And, and part of that is because Mark is so brief, he's, 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 he, 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 so he's going to skip over a lot of that, but also because he has his own emphasis here. He wants us to see Jesus in action. So it's a very busy book in that sense. And, and, and having overwhelmed us with the teachings and, and, and the deeds of Jesus, then we can conclude as he begins, Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. Well, to skip down to verse 4, because this is a rather lengthy chapter for Mark, we are introduced to John right away. We're actually introduced to him in verses 2 and 3 with a quotation from Isaiah. But verse 4, he's mentioned by name. John appeared baptizing in the wilderness. Wilderness is going to be an important part 
of Mark's gospel, particularly of chapter 1 of Mark's gospel. So there we see John in the wilderness. What is he doing? He's proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. So here you have this guy named John. Mark hasn't given us any other details uh, other than what it is he's doing in the wilderness. He is preaching uh, uh, forgiveness, and, and from forgiveness comes baptism in that order. And all the country, Judea, and all Jerusalem were going out to him, were being baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. So you see that the, the root of forgiveness is confession. There is no forgiveness or healing apart from, from confession. Now John was clothed with camel's hair and wore a leather belt around his waist, ate locusts and wild honey. Now the point of that is is not because uh, John the Baptist has this great new diet plan that will make him rich. No, the point is for us to, to equate John the Baptist, or the baptizer we should say, with Elijah the prophet. This will become an issue later. Uh, I believe all four Gospels mention this, that, that John the Baptist is the fulfillment of the end of the Old Testament, that Elijah would come. Uh, and, and so right away through the narrative, Mark connects Elijah with John the Baptist. Verse 7, he preached, saying, After me comes he who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. So just notice some of the things we already have here. We have uh, wilderness, which will come up, uh, forgiveness, confession, and repentance. That's going to be a constant theme. Uh, we're going to see baptism is going to be important in, in this chapter, but, but not just baptism, but what baptism represents, a cleansing, a washing, a renewal. And then we also see the work of the Holy Spirit uh, there as well. But John is the first of several confessors in this chapter who, who, who tells us who Jesus is. So Mark begins with, this is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Oh, and by the way, let me tell you a story about a man named John who's in the spirit of Elijah. He declares Christ is mightier than even uh, mighty Elijah. And what follows that is a series of pithy narratives that Matthew and Luke uh, broaden. Uh, so we begin with, with the baptism of Jesus. It's three verses. In Matthew and Luke's gospel, it's much more detailed much more elaborate. But Mark wants you to see, uh, in those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee, was baptized by John in the Jordan. That's essentially it, right? Uh, Jesus came to be baptized. Now, now, this is our introduction to Jesus outside of that heading. And what we're told immediately is, Jesus is from Nazareth of Galilee, and he comes, he's among the, the multitude to be baptized by Jesus, but what we do, or by John, but what, what we discover is, Jesus is not being baptized because he is unrighteous. He's baptized in order to identify with the message of John. So much so, when John says, someone is coming who's mightier than I, we get in John's gospel there in verse 11, when the Spirit descends like a dove, the voice from heaven says, you are my beloved Son. Well, we know this is God, for one, the opening verse tells us. So we're looking for sonship language. Jesus is the Son of God, and he is pleased with him. So let me just add a, a quick theological footnote, because that's what my degrees are in. Um, notice here the um, triune God shows up. We believe in one God, in, in three persons. 
And so this is one of those scenes, we may have talked about this in Matthew's Gospel, where Father, Son, and Spirit are present at the same time. So it is heretical to say that we believe that in the Old Testament Jesus was the Father, in the Gospels Jesus is the Son, and now Jesus is the or, or God is the Spirit. That is to say that God shows up in three modes, much in the way that I am a father, a son, and you know an uncle, right? Well, that that's not what we believe about God. God is one. And we believe we are monotheistic, but at the same time, each person of the Trinity is is unique. Well, that, that's a free little thing. But notice how quickly we, we move from the baptism to the temptation. Now, again, Matthew is going to develop this because he's developing a theology of Israel, that Jesus is the fulfillment of Israel. Mark hints at that tra- traditional and, and, and theological position. He just doesn't develop it. So we move from the baptism to the temptation in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights. Well, that connects us to Israel, right? Who, after their baptism through the Red Sea, they go into the wilderness, not for 40 days and 40 nights, but for 40 years. Mark doesn't really develop that here, but notice here that, that the Spirit drives Jesus out into the wilderness. So we have the Spirit descending upon Jesus. And where does the Spirit send him immediately? He sends him into the wilderness. And, and Jewish thought at this time associated the wilderness with the demonic, with evil, with wild beasts, with uh, Satan, the Satan, right? So, so it's striking, isn't it? Here we have John the Baptist saying, prepare the way and, come, and you prepare yourself by repenting, by receiving grace. And in comes Jesus and receives baptism to, to associate himself with the preaching of John. And God declares his pleasure with his son, who then sends him into danger. Now, what we're going to see in this chapter and in the chapters to follow is the cosmic aspect of Jesus's ministry. So when we see Jesus healing people, it's not because he is a humanitarian. It is because Jesus is at war. So he goes into the wilderness to face temptation for 40 days. Uh, and he's tempted by Satan. We get no details in Mark's gospel. Matthew and Luke give us a lot of detail, not Mark. But then we see there in verse 13, he was with the wild animals and the angels uh, ministered to him. Now, now notice what a contrast here. A lot of people see these wild animals and they think, what, what a bizarre detail. I mean, you could just take that out. What, why does that matter? Remember what the wilderness represents. The wilderness was the place where the wild things were, if, if you will, right? And the wilderness was a place of the, the, of the demonic. So what does Jesus go and do? He goes and he declares the launching of his ministry that he is at war with the demonic. He is at war with fallen divine beings, where the wild things are. And at the same time, we discover Jesus goes onto their turf and the angels minister to him because he does not fear the demonic, the Satan, or the wild beasts. And guess what happens after that? He begins his ministry when he comes out of the wilderness into the promised land against the story of Israel. And what does he say there in verse 15? The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. 
This is the fulfillment of John's ministry. John will show up later, of course, but this is the fulfillment of John's ministry. And Jesus' message in a single sentence is, the kingdom is at hand, repent and believe the gospel. Right? So, so you can't understand the kingdom apart from repentance and faith in the gospel. Now, the first thing he does is he goes and chooses for himself his first disciples. We're going to see this pattern, um, I believe, in chapter 2. Uh, but you see, it's the story we know it well. It almost been forever on it because there's a lot going on in, in Mark 1. He sees Simon and Andrew, and then he will see James and John, and he performs uh, this miracle. But ultimately he says, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Right. So notice that, that early he had water. He had the baptism, followed by uh, a wilderness experience with the, the demonic, right? Now what is it we get? We go to fishermen, we have water, and what do we get now? We get the demonic. But now Jesus is bringing with him citizens of the kingdom, new citizens. He's bringing with him his disciples, whom he is mentoring and training. Uh, so verse 21, we see that they went to Capernaum and immediately on the Sabbath he entered the synagogue and was teaching. Now, let me just make a quick note here. The word immediately is going to get on your nerves. Mark is a fast-paced narrative, and he wants it to be a fast-paced narrative. In order to get the story to move along, he uses the word immediately over and over and over again. I took a Greek exegesis class in seminary on the Gospel of Mark way back in the day. It's hard to believe it's been, been like over 10 years ago. And um, um, when you translate Mark, it's, it's, it's just all over the place. Immediately Jesus did this, and immediately they said this. And so so just to give you, just when I see my notes, it's there in verse 21, it's there in verse 29, um, and it is at least in, let me see here, um, I know in one other place, I believe in chapter 1, uh, but we're going to see it quite a bit throughout the book. Uh, well, uh, verse 23. So it's in verse 21 and verse 23 and then in verse 29. So, so it's, it's, it's all over the place. But notice here, Jesus is in Capernaum. He's in Galilee. This is, this is a um, hometown for him. And he's teaching. But notice, although people are astonished by his teaching because he taught as one to have an authority, that is the same language uh, Matthew will use in the context of the Sermon on the Mount. He teaches the one as with authority. Why wouldn't he? He's, he's, he's already faced down temptation in, in the wilderness. But it says, um, and immediately, again, there it is, verse 23, in their synagogue there was a man with an unclean spirit. Now, that is a loaded sentence, isn't it? Because we've already seen um, the pattern so far. A man comes out of the wilderness named John who baptizes. He baptizes Jesus who goes back into the wilderness. Jesus comes out of the wilderness, has a scene with water, and there, and after that, we get um, we, we, we get the, 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 the demonic again, okay? So we see this pattern, wilderness, water, demonic. Um, wilderness, water, demonic, right? We, we're seeing this pattern. Well, what's striking here is the demonic is in the wilderness or in the synagogue here, not in the wilderness. Strange, isn't it? But that's the point Mark is making so subtly. The wilderness, which is where people assume the wild things are, has entered into worship. This is a subtle indictment of the Jewish religious system in the days of Jesus. 
This, of course, will, will, will continue to be a theme, climaxing in the cleansing of the temple, the crucifixion of Jesus, the corruption of justice, all of that. Uh, and in fact, Jesus will say, this generation will not pass until this temple comes crashing down. Right? And it was fulfilled in AD 70, which we talked a lot in Revelation, so we don't need to go over that again. So in their synagogue was a man with an unclean spirit. But you'll notice the people are astonished at what Jesus teaches. The demonic, notice what he says in verse 24. What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? We know who you are. Holy One of God. Notice, it's the demonic here, the one with the unclean spirit, who professes the identity of Jesus, not those who are astonished by his teaching. They see Jesus as a more gifted scribe. The unclean spirit sees Jesus as the divine Holy One of God. What does that tell you about religion? It's amazing how, how the story is written, if only we, we would look at it. Verse 27, they were all amazed. He, he cast out the demon so that they questioned among themselves, what is this? A new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits and they obey him. Ah, they're starting to figure it out. But what is striking is once they figure out who he is, they want to get rid of him as they do the unclean spirits. And that's what happens in the cross. But you see the cosmic spiritual uh, uh, warfare that is going on in the ministry of Jesus. Well, verse 29, we get another immediately. So change the scene. And what we see is Jesus heals uh, Peter's mother-in-law, which means Peter, the supposed first pope, was married, uh, which is significant detail the Catholic Church overlooks. Um, and, uh, and then we get a, a summary statement, verse 34. He healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. We need to see here that though those are different, natural disease and supernatural disease, they really are the same. It's the same authority, same power, but they are pictures of the spiritual state of Israel. They are sick. They are spiritually sick. They are spiritually unclean. Remember that it was the Spirit who descended upon Jesus. But what does he find in Galilee throughout Judea? He finds an unclean people devoid of the Spirit. So he comes to wage war. Well, starting in verse 35, we, we get um, uh, Jesus going back to preach. And look what happens. Um, while it was still dark, verse 35, he departed. And where did he go? To a desolate place there to pray. Now, that sounds a lot like the temptation story, doesn't it? There the Spirit drives him into uh, the wilderness. By the way, that word drive in the temptation story marks the same word used in, in these scenes to describe uh, the, the, the demonic, right? these, these demonic beings. Well, now he's in another desolate place. He's like in a wilderness. And where it is in the wilderness? It's supposedly where the demonic are. So he's leaving a wilderness, a spiritual wilderness, in favor of another spiritual wilderness. And what is he going to do? He's going to pray. He's going to pray. Um, and, um, and then we get summary in verse 39. He went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues. And what? Casting out demons. Notice there that we should read that as the preaching of the gospel is waging war against the demons. Don't miss that. 
The preaching of the gospel is the war waged on the demonic. But here's the problem with many in Christianity right now. We're preaching many things, but not the gospel. And then we wonder why. It's chaos all around us. Let's get back to Jesus, the Holy One of God. Well, verse 40, we get a leper comes to him. Matthew develops this in Matthew 8 in some detail. Uh, the leper comes and wants to be healed, of course. The right? lepers are outcast. They, they, they are outside of the city gates. They are sent into the wilderness right? because of, of the, the contagious nature of their disease. They create their own little colony of lepers. Uh, but one uh, comes out of that colony, comes up to Jesus, um, and remember that a leper is shouting, unclean, unclean, whenever he's, he's around um, a group of people. Um, and he asked Jesus to, to cleanse him. And Jesus says, okay, um, I, I will you to be clean and, and, and you are cleansed. And Jesus says to him, say nothing to anyone. We talked about it back in Matthew, so I don't want to go into more detail. But verse 45, the leper went out, who's been healed, he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news. That word news is at the root of the word gospel, good news, good message. So what is he doing? He is spreading the gospel, which is what the uh, Peter and Andrew, James and John are going to do. Uh, that is why Jesus has brought them on board. He'll, he'll have Matthew in chapter 2. So that Jesus can no longer openly enter a town. But where, where did Jesus end up going? Into the desolate places. So notice what happens here. The leper who wants to be in town but must be in the desolate place because of his sin, comes to Jesus, who heals him. But now Jesus takes upon the story of the leper, the story of the unclean, and he conquers it. And he chooses not the city, but the desolate place where people like the lepers are, where people who are unclean are. You see, this cosmic warfare makes a big deal for you and I who are out in the desolate places. Every religion says you must reach up to the heavens. Whether we're talking about woke secular religion, we've got to prove yourself to be holy and righteous and you can recite the catechism from memory, or we're talking about traditional religions. It's all about you ascending above. Only Christianity is where God descends into the desolate places and into the wilderness to rescue you and I who are unclean. That is good news. And you notice, people were coming to him from every quarter, and he healed them there in the desolate places. He still does. Hope to see you guys here, Lord willing, tomorrow.